Welcome to series two of my podcast, Learning As I Go. This is a pinch me moment for me because I never thought I'd be sat here with my second series. But thank you. If you did listen to series one, I was blown away by the support. If you've not listened to this podcast before, this podcast is all about self-development. I'm very much on a journey of self-development and I just want to keep working on myself. And it's all about bringing on people who've either inspired me or someone I can learn something from. And my first guest of series two has without doubt already taught me so much in such a small amount of time. He's taught me all about judgment. In this day and age, we can be so quick to pass judgment on someone without even really knowing their backstory or what they've been through. My first guest caused one of the most controversial moments of Love Island series eight this year, when he decided to leave the show to protect his own mental health. Since leaving the show, he's been involved in some controversial moments in the press as well, I wanted to give him the opportunity today to explain his story and really get to know the person behind the name. So without any further ado, please welcome Jax O'Neill. Welcome Jax um, to my new podcast. Um, I know you're a little bit nervous today, so am I. It's my first one back, so let me just say, put yourself at ease. Um, I just wanted to talk Jax about what everyone really wants to know really, like Love Island. It was a massive series this year. You went on there, you caused one of the biggest moments of the series when you decided to leave to protect your own mental health. But let's talk about it. Why did you go on Love Island and what was it actually like? Why, why did I go on Love Island, you know? Uh, to be honest, I went on through an injury. Right. You know, uh, they've messaged me for the past four years to get me on and I was like, nah, 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 I'm a rugby player, you know, I'm a rugby player. Like, it's not really for me. And then I had a, I had a period, 18 month period, where I was just injured, injured, injured. I played four games in, in 18 months. So it was just like, it was like, what's next? Yeah, what's next? You know what I mean? Like, I did my hamstring three times, and then the last time I did it, I had a, I had a big operation. And then I thought, if I do my hamstring again, who's going to want me? Mm. Because I'm, I'm always doubting things anyway, mm. and I'm, I'm thinking the worst. So I'm like, who's actually going to want me? Like, if my club don't want me, you know? Mm. So I got a bit scared, and they come in again. And I spoke to my mum about it. I was scared to speak to my mum about it. I was like, because like, since I've been young, we've just been like, I'm going to be a rugby player. Yeah. going to be a rugby player, that's it. You know, and that's all my mum like, wanted for me. So when it, got, when it got to that point, I was like, okay, I need to have a chat with my mum. Because I was doing all like, the, I was talking to him and like ready to, ready to say yeah. And then I told my mum and my mum was like, no, I agree. She was like, why don't you? Yeah, like, what, you what else have you got yeah. to lose? It's so funny you say that because when I got asked to do Love Island, um, in, in 2016, I literally lost one of my business at the time. So yeah. I, I was like you, I used to get asked all the time to do it. But I was like, no, no, I'm too good for that. I don't want to do Love Island. But my back was kind of against the wall. And I thought, you know what, what have I actually got to lose? And it sounds like you were in a bit of the same situation. Yeah. Like you were having a bit of a tricky time. So you thought, what, what have yeah. I got to lose? Well, basically, I didn't know when I was going to get back playing either. Yeah. So it was like, it was such a long period where I wasn't playing. And what, like, I was in a rut before mm. I went in Love Island. Right. I'm going to be honest, like I weren't in the best mental state anyway. Right, okay. I was so fed up, mm. like, so fed up of everything. And I thought, why would I not just go have some fun? So when you, you, say, when you say you were fed up, what were you fed up of? Like injuries and... Just, do you know what? Just life. Yeah. Life in general. I was right. just, I fed up of, you know, doing the same thing every day. Like the rehab on my, on my hamstring, mm. just trying to get back playing. And you're seeing all the boys laughing and playing at the weekend, and it's just like, I ain't done that, and I ain't done that for the past year. Yeah. And it was just like it was getting heavy for me. So, yeah. I, you so know basically, I mean? you're already in a bit of a low place. You, you, you looked at Love Island as sort of that, that sort of big 
I don't know, solutions to everything really because it was taking you out of the country. You're going to go and live this sort of glamorous yeah, just life. Go, just go, literally just go have fun. Yeah. And like, I'm going to be honest, I weren't going on there for love. Mm. I'd said to my mom, if I, if I find a missus, Jesus, like, yeah. there's no chance of me finding a missus, you know what I mean? So you went in there, you were having a great couple of weeks and then you fell for Paige, who's a beautiful girl in there. And you could, you could tell that, that was, there was genuine emotions yeah, in there. Yeah, gotcha. there was, there was moments at night that we could see you getting really sort of emotional together and everything else. This was a, this was a crazy thing. So with with Paige, like obviously the, the bedtime talks, everyone was asleep. Mm. But I'm not a good sleeper anyway. I'm like I'm a very bad overthinker. Like like I, anxious quite a lot. You yeah. know, uh, I had bad anxiety before I went in, and uh, like at night we'd we'd talk for hours. We'd literally, everyone be snoring. Yeah. And we'd just be talking and talking. And they'd have to actually come on and tell us to like, right, that's enough now, go to sleep. Wow. But I didn't really listen to that. I was like, no, yeah. like we're talking, mate, you know? But the thing isn't, like, the weird thing is them bedtime talks, the pillow talks, like, it made me question things so much in the next morning. And that's when I started losing my head a bit because, like, Paige was asking me, what, like, why are you like this? Like, why do you do things like that? Like, why do you do that? Like, do you, when, she, when she's saying that, do you mean like, why are you, because you, you mentioned this before that people sometimes think you're bipolar because one minute you're dead upbeat and then yeah. next minute you can be really down. Is that what you're talking about? Like, yeah, like, but I'm like, I'll do something and then I'll go away and sit by myself and I'm like, oh my God, no, 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 what have I done? Yeah. And then I'm like, it turns into like, I was using the, uh, when I was going into the Zoom room a lot, I was using the term washing machine. So I feel like I get into a washing machine and I, I, I'm just going and going and going and I can't stop. Like, I'm just like, oh, no, no, no. I just start panicking so much. And then, like, for me, I feel like it's increased mm. with the ADHD side. I, like, obviously, with the therapy at the minute, he's, he's been telling me that everything's, like, increased a lot more than than your average because person. Because of the new experience that you've been under and everything yeah. else. So, so you mentioned this to me before that you have these conversations with Paige, conversations that you probably never had with anyone. Well, exactly. This is a big thing. So, like, we were talking in bed at night and she was asking, you know, upbringing, she was asking about my mum, like, oh, where, where's your dad then? Where's your dad? And I, do you know what? I've never, like, even my best mates, even my day ones, you know, mm. I've never told them if they've ever asked, like, they know not to ask. You know, I don't like speaking about about my upbringing. I don't like speaking about my mum. Like, obviously, my mum's my rock, mate. Like, mm. I love her to bits, you know, so much. If it weren't for her, I don't know where I'd be. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so with my dad, it's like, no, we don't speak about that. But, like, I ended up speaking about it in there because there was nothing else to really speak about sometimes. And, and Paige wanted to know the real me. And mm. I wanted someone to know the real me. Mm. So it was like... When I started speaking, I'd, I'd, as mid-conversation, I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't be saying this. Mm. I should not be saying this. Oh, my God, this is deep. Like, And they, the night on the stairs, like, I actually told her a few things then because I was already emotional. Like, mm. in there, I was acting as if I didn't care. You know what I mean? I was like, obviously, uh, when Paige upset that night, they were going, oh, Jacks don't care, Jacks don't care. It's like, it's not that I didn't care, it's that I, I can't show that I care, I can't show emotion, I can't show that I care because I've always been the one for my mum to mm. be the tough one, mm. you know? Like, mm. there's been no man around my life ever. Mm. Uh, I feel like so that with like, you, Jacks, one thing that really stands out to me is that 
with you when you first meet you, I've got that kind of lads mentality, that lads banter, which I think comes from the rugby side of things as well. Yeah. And like you said, your upbringing, being a man around the house. So you're in Love Island, you're having these deep conversations with Paige and you're starting to realise for the first oh, time, yeah, yeah. for the first time in your life that you are actually speaking about, oh, speaking about yeah. things that you've never spoken about yeah, before. So that was a crazy thing. Like mm. I, w- I was talking about these things and I was thinking, shit, mm. I'm actually speaking about this. Mm. And then I'd wake up the next morning mm. and I'm like, like I say, I'm, I overthink stuff all the time. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd be laying in bed, everyone else was gone. And I'd just be laying there thinking, like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what about. I'd just be like, what am I doing? Mm. What am I doing here? What am I doing in life? Like, what? It's weird. You I question think yourself a lot, right? All the time. Like, yeah. all the time. Like, people see this side of me where it's like, a lot of people, since leaving the villa, I've met a lot of people, you know? Mm. And uh, every time we, I'd leave them, they always say at the end, you're so different to what I expected. Because mm. I feel like I, I've got this lads like, I'm such a tough lad, I don't mm. care about anything, nothing bothers me, but mm. inside, like, I go home and I'm like, mm. like you know Listen, what I mean? Listen, it shines through, Jax, like, you've obviously got a massive heart, and there's obviously a lot going on in your head, like, I've never, I've never actually met anyone like you in terms of the level that you overthink things, you are so hard on yourself as well. So I can imagine in a situation, a foreign situation like being in a villa, everything must have been even heightened so much. Yeah. And I know you got to the point in there where you did have some great times with the boys and everything else and you fell for Paige, but then you decided, which I think, to be honest, was one of the most courageous things I've ever seen on Love Island, is that you decided to leave the villa. Yeah, so before Casa mm. I was very, like, I was saying to Paige, I'd go now. Like, I'd happily leave. Like, I went in for a best friend. I found a best friend. Okay, I'm, I've been here long enough. You know, I want a life now without cameras, without a microphone, without people telling me what to do. Mm. Like, producers producing a show. I didn't want that anymore. Mm. I just wanted normal life. And then we found out it was Casamore mm. in a couple of days. And I was like, okay, let's stay. Mm. You know, let's stay. And uh, it's weird. Because Luca had slept outside the first night. Mm-hmm. And I was prepared to do that as well. Because I didn't want Luca being by himself. Mm. And I was like, it's respectful anyway. And do you know what really got into my head? Because the first day the girls come in, and people have said this, people have said, I was like a light switch, mate. I just changed. Mm. And it's great. I, like, I'm so glad I'm being able to speak about it. Because mm. I want people to know. And... Uh, so the girls come in. Mm. I wasn't interested. Mm. I was like, okay, well, I followed Luca out the first night. We went out together. And they come on the tannoy. And uh, they go, Jack, you look silly. And I was like, pardon? What do you mean I look silly? Like, I started speaking as a man. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, come on, tell me. And they're like, no, we don't mean that. Just go to bed. It's fine. You can do it. So I go straight to the beach. I'm saying, why do I look silly? Like, tell me why I look silly. Mm. Like, what's happening? And they're like, no, we don't mean it like that. We just mean, you know, like, it looks like you're following Luca. And I'm like, no, 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 it's deeper than that. If mm. I'm looking silly, mate, like, I'm not being a mug. Mm. You know, like, I've got a lot of pride and I, mm. I don't want to be mugged off. So mm. I thought, okay, if I'm looking silly, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and crack on then. Mm. And that's where I changed. I literally woke up the next morning and I was saying to Dammy, Okay, let's test it. Because they were saying, they were saying in the beach, do you not feel like you need to test your connection? 
And I'm like, well, after last night, if I'm looking silly, yeah, I do. I do mm. need to test my connection. Mm. Let's go, you know, yeah. let's go. So and you uh, went in there with every intention of staying with Paige, but you felt like you were influenced by the producers, which to be honest, it's no surprise to me. It's a TV show. They've mm -hmm. got to create a narrative like we said before. Yeah. Listen, I don't want to go in. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't. I'm, mm. I'm not that type of person. I, I'm old enough to make my own mistakes and, you know, deal with the consequences like I was saying mm. on there. I'll deal with the consequences. Yeah. It's fine. And then, like, no disrespect to Cheyenne. She's mm. a lovely girl, you know, mm. and a very good-looking girl. But I was always going to stay with Paige. So mm. it was so strange to get out and they made it look like I was going to get with Cheyenne. Mm. I didn't speak to Cheyenne. I hardly spoke to her. Mm. It was madness. I had well, that one night that, that, where yeah. I kissed her. Mm. Because I went into the beach and I was like, I don't want to kiss her. Like, I don't. And they were like, Jax. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, I look silly, don't I? Mm. And I was like, yeah, that stuck in my head then. Because you, one one thing, like with me, if, if someone says one thing to me, I'll st I, it'll stay in my head. Yeah, so I can like, tell by the way so you're saying it now that that, that word silly oh, is man, like honestly, literally like, it's, like it's running over and over. I don't want to look head. silly. So, yeah. that, you know. No, I get it. I get it. So, listen, we understand it's a TV show and I don't want this to come across in any way that. Um, we're bad Marvin Love Island but at the same time is it's not it wasn't necessarily right for you, you it wasn't right for me no you couldn't be no. yourself no. you couldn't um, be the authentic person that you yeah. wanted to be so you decided to leave and for me that just shows that that whole experience a lot of people will go into a show like Love Island for fame for money and to live that life for you to decide of your own accord to walk away from that I thought was really courageous and I think that's the moment when the, the public sort of really bought into you and went you know what First of all, fair play to him for holding his hands up and going, you know what, I'm not meant to. Yeah, because to. I just want to speak after Cass as well, mm. because obviously Paige come back and I was so happy she was by herself. And as soon as she sat down, I said to her, I've done a few wrongs, you know? Mm. And uh, as we sat down and we spoke about it and I was like, wait, did you not do anything? And she was like, no, I made him offer. I was like, oh my God, mm. come on. Like. And I think to put things in perspective, like, you guys were only together for what, like two, three weeks in there. Yeah. Like it's a very short amount of time. I think it's all heightened because we're watching it every single day. Yeah, but yeah. Really, like you're a young lad. You're gonna go in. Uh, like on the, show I and feel like on the outside, every 23 year old. Yeah. After two weeks, would still be dating other people. Mm. You know, but it, it's a weird one because when I said to, when I sat down, I said, I think you forget we're single. Mm. It was probably the wrong thing to say, mm. you know, because in there it, it is deep and yeah. it, it was deeper than that for me. 100%. You know, but like it, it was just weird, man. And that, that's why I said, okay, well, if you can't get over it, I'll leave. Because mm. there's nothing else here. It, even if another bombshell comes out, I'm not bothered. I'll just go. I'm done with the experience. I've had my fun. I've had me, you know, I've had me downs as well. So I'm ready to go. And then I was like, do you know what? I can't leave like this. I need to make it up to the girl first. I need to make it up to it and then go. You know, and that's when I thought, like, I've done enough now. Mm. I've done enough and it's playing on my mind and I was just, listen, if I didn't leave when I did, I, I could feel myself getting into a really, really bad place. It was real bringing me down and I thought, I need to get out. Yeah, so you made that decision and you, you said your emotional sort of farewell to Paige and then you left the villa, right? Mm -hmm. So then talk to me about when you left the villa and you sort of, <laughs> you saw the response and stuff and there's there's loads of sort of controversy around you and everything else and I know that whilst you're in, you were in there, your mum actually put out to the press that yeah. you struggled with ADHD, which if I'm honest, knowing you now, everything makes sense because of that. Does that make sense? Like you staying yeah. up late on your own, not being able to sleep, overthinking things. So you came out and all this was in the press about your mental health and ADHD and everything else. Where was your head at when you first came out and what was it like? When I, mate, when I first come out, 
I literally had like thousand like my phone I just had to put it to one side one time I was just like oh my god this is way too much but did it, do you know what the hard thing was the hardest thing was like just seeing my mom how she was mm. and it was like because like I said you know like me and my mom and it was just like seeing my mom be in a state how she was and like and me just I couldn't I couldn't even leave the house you know I just wanted to f- sort of mind. oh mate making me upset man it's alright bro take a minute wow you got me then bro um, sorry mate you got this bro so go on talk to me how, what was um, how was your mum what, what was actually going on like when I got out of the villa, I had to go into a holding villa. And uh, I FaceTimed my mum. And my mum was just going, Jack, just get home not right now. Just get home. Just like, just leave the villa. And I was kicking off with her. I was saying, listen, get me a flight right now. Like, I just want to be with my mum. Because like, I knew she was in a bad place. She was breaking down on the phone. And I was just like, man, I just need to be there for my mum. You know what I mean? And uh, when I got out, like I went home. And she went, Jack, she can't go out. We can't go out. Like Everyone, everyone hates you. And I'm like, yeah, like, everyone hates me, like, and it wasn't even about that, like, I just want, listen, I, like I said, I didn't go on for fame, I didn't go on for anything, like, I just wanted to get out of a bad place where I was in before mm. the show, and it was like, I just wanted, I mean, my mum to be okay, mm. uh, I was on the phone to one of my best mate's dads, and he has a little place in Wales, and I said to my mum, let's just go, like, I'll delete social media, I'll forget about all this, you know, and, uh, like, we'll just put it in the past, and she went, it's not going to change anything. You're still gonna go out. You're still gonna be known by everyone. I was like, I don't want that. I just want me and you again, mum. Like that's it. I'd, like I'll do anything just to give it a few months and go back to rugby and just be normal. So and, uh, was your mum having to deal with a lot of like hate and stuff. I, I had to move out. I had to move out straight away. Right. Uh, I lived at home for a week, and I couldn't go out the house. I was in bed uh, till three in the afternoon. Like just eating like comfy and like yeah. and like my mum just left me alone because she tried speaking to me and I couldn't do you know what was weird I was so numb after the villa uh it killed me to see the way my mum was and I couldn't even speak to my granddad I couldn't speak to my mum like about like like deep stuff because I just break down and it took me about two two weeks to actually give my mum like a cuddle Mm. I, the, 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 like I couldn't give her a cuddle because I know if I just like give my mum a cuddle or a little bit of affection I'd just break down and it would so what was, like, what the, was it your mum was finding so difficult the death threats man death threats the death threats yeah right okay she was literally saying like like I've got death threats I was like ah, you know like it was it was madness and then like <sighs> I don't know. So when did, that, when did that change though? Because for me, Jax, when... Do you know when it, do you know when it did change? Like, listen, my mum was like, you can do whatever you want. Like, you know, you've got all this and like, you can't just shut it all off. You can't just delete social media. I was like, listen, mum, I'm deleting social media. I'm done with it. I'm done with this life already. I, I, I don't like it. I can't, I can't do anything without being judged. And like, like I'm a very impulsive person. Mm. So I know I'd make mistakes 
but I feel like I've learned the hard way already, you know? Yeah. I feel like I've learned the hard way already. And with me, like, I'm just very, very honest. Mm. And I feel like that gets me in trouble. Mm. But, like, everyone has their own opinions, you know? And that's fine. If you hate me, you hate me. Like, mm. I do care, but I don't mm. care if you get me. As long as I love, like, the, the close people around me still love me, like, mm. and, you know, the amount of fans I've got as well, the amount of people who still message me, like, now, saying I'm their inspiration, and, you know, they've learned, I inspire them so much, I'm, like, that's still, like, overwhelming for me. Mm. And, like, when I was thrown into this world, I was like, like, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. But my mum was like, listen, what about all them kids with ADHD? What about all them men with ADHD? What about all the people going through shit times, you know? I was like, okay, maybe I can stand up here. Maybe I can actually be something for once in my life mm. to do good. Because with me growing up, it was always like getting in trouble. Mm. You know, getting in trouble all the time, kicked out of school, my mum getting called into school all the time before I was kicked out. Like it was never a well done. It was never a, Jack, you've done good today, Jack, you've well done. It was always my mum going, why are you like this? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? And it was just like, why? Like, never in my life have I have, like, just a well done. Mm. Just like, you know what, you've done a good job there. So I, I've obviously heard about your story, and I know from the age of nine, that's when you were first diagnosed mm -hmm. with ADHD. And you're actually um, prescribed medication as well. Is, is it called Ritalin? Yeah, it's called Ritalin, yeah. Ritalin. And, and you were put on that from such a young age. Yeah, so Ritalin, mate, I hated it. How did that affect uh, your life? From a nine-year-old kid, I, I don't know from when I was nine years old, but it, it was when I got into secondary school. And I'd take my tablets, like I'm such a different person on my tablets, it's, but it's horrible. I didn't know what depression was. I didn't know, like... A, I just felt like people got moods, you know. I was a young mm. kid, mate, just going in secondary school, and even to fifteen, sixteen, I was still like, depression. What's that? Because mm. like I, I was uh, hearing this word, I was thinking, no. Like, and were people saying that you were depressed at that age? Well, as I look back now, I was. Mm. I used to have these tablets, and I used to go into the the, the main office at school, mm. and I used to hide from everyone because I couldn't be on these tablets and speak to people. I was so socially awkward, like. My mates actually take the mick out of me now because, like, I couldn't even speak to a girl at school. <laughs> it's crazy. You can't shut me up now. But yeah, that's a mad thing. Like, you said the, the you actually said knew, before that the medication made you go into yourself. It was you awful. Couldn't, you couldn't speak. You couldn't I'd, physically speak. I couldn't. Like, I'd walk into a classroom, right? And if I didn't have my tablets, the first thing my teacher would say in front of the whole class is, "Jack, go get your tablets," because I'd walk in, like, you know, like, mm. and then. When I had my tablets, I'd walk in with my head down, backpack it on, and I'd just be petrified of everything. Mm. I was so emotional, like, on my tablets, and like, I, I literally hated it. But I'd get home, and my mum my wanted me like that, because she didn't want to deal with me. Mm. You know what I mean? She, she Single parent, mate, it's hard work, especially mm. having a kid like me. So before like, the medication, then, you were kind of a little bit, like we said, erratic, impulsive, getting yourself into trouble, didn't really deal with um, sort of authority very well. And is that why you were put onto the medication? Like, talk, talk to me about the symptoms of ADHD. Yeah, so, do you know what? Like, I didn't know what it's like. Right, so, since I've got out of the villa, I still don't understand what, like, I question myself. Even in the villa, I was saying, why am I like this? Literally, I, like, sometimes I hate myself. Mm. I hate myself. I'll be in bed at night and I'm like, mm. I just want to be better, you know? Mm. And it was at the point where me and you sat down 
and you know you've been through the same stuff mate you know I, I see similarity in those two and so do you mm. we are quite similar in the, in a sense uh, and as soon as we st- started talking about therapy the counselling I've been told by coaches been told by my mum Mm-hmm. I've been told by my player welfare manager at my rugby club and senior boys as well so like who have been through a lot 34 year olds telling me you need therapy like, you need counselling you know mm. like you're a bit like it hasn't been easy for me growing up mm. I don't want to get into my um, we'll talk about that but you basically you've been told all your life that you need some kind yeah. of counselling and therapy and as soon as as soon as I sat down with you and you said you said the same thing mm. and I was like this might be the thing what helps me to grow as a person and mm. after Love Island I've realised all I want to do is be a better person for other people as well and for myself mm. and for my family you know and now my first session I remember I texted you didn't I before mm. I went in I said no nah, I don't want to do it don't want to do it I was so ready to like nah I'm not doing it Scott nah. <laughs> you know no chance and I walked in I remember walking in so just for, for anyone who doesn't know Basically, when Jacks came to see us, we recommended him having therapy and he, he went to see my therapist, Gareth, who I've seen for about eight years now. And to be fair to you, this is what I really like about you, Jacks. When you feel like you, you're being respected, you are kind of open to ideas and stuff. So when I did suggest you going to therapy, you were like, I'll, I'll give it a go. But obviously, the day before and everything else, you were very nervous about going no, in. We'll talk about that, like how, why I respect you as well, yeah. you know. We will talk about that. But yeah, so I went into to this office to this room with uh, Gareth. with Gareth and he sat me down and we're like this and uh, I was just like okay he's not getting anything out of me here like, he was talking to me and I was like no nah. like like I am you know mm. so close off to people like so like unavailable and uh, he was like mate you, you need to talk more mm. I said well I don't know you I'm not going to speak to you am I you know what I mean like I'm not going to speak to you who are you yeah I only did it because, like, I know I needed to do it, but when I actually got in there, I was like, no, nah, I don't need this. Yeah. I don't need it. Which and is like when, a natural yeah. reaction to kind of shut things and off. And then when we started speaking, he was, like, unraveling stuff. He mm. was, like, it was, like, unwrapping a Christmas present. And my, yeah. I was, like, I started, like, talking and talking and talking. And the next minute, I'm, like, I take a deep breath. Mm. And I just, I just start flooding tears. Mm. I just break out so much. Mm. and I'm just sat there on a settee like in front of this man who I've, who I've never met in my life before mm. and I'm just crying my eyes out and I say I'm sorry I'm, I'm going to leave and he's going no 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 it's mm. fine it's mm. fine and I started yawning and I was just exhausted like just talking mm. because he wanted to know everything about my life mm. and I feel like when I was telling him stuff it was weird because he's heard a lot of stuff Yeah, a lot of stuff and then at the end to me went you need this mm. you know and when he said that I was like Oh, he's seen thousands of people, mm. you know, probably in a lot of worse state than me as well, mm. and being through a lot of worse. And uh, so, yeah, like when he said that, I went the week after, we started talking, and you know, like whatever, whatever, and I broke down again. And the third time I went, I was in a better mood, you know, I was in a better mood. I was actually like happy that day. And I went in and I said to him, Look, mate, uh, I need to tell you something. He went, yeah, yeah, what, what's up? I went, don't make me upset today. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm in a good mood right now. Don't change my mood because I walked straight back out. Mm. And he went, well, we can't really do it then. If, you know, mm. if you're not going to talk, you don't want to get deep. I went, all right, I'll leave. Mm. I, 
I stood up, was ready to go, and he went, just sit down, come on, let's talk. And then in the end, we started speaking again. But So like, so for you, is it, it must have felt like a massive relief being able to talk about something, because for you, for, for me knowing you, for this short amount of time, I can tell that you have got your guard up massively. You've got this kind of, this front, which you probably had to protect through rugby and everything else, which we'll talk about in a minute. But there is obviously a lot going on inside your head um, from childhood, through the, the journey that you've been on, like being prescribed Ritalin at the age of nine to the age of 15. Like I can't even comprehend where you've been at mentally. And like I said, I've met a lot of people after them come out of Love Island and... I'll be completely honest with you. I've never been more worried or concerned about anyone more than you. And I don't mean that in a way that you're some kind of charity case or anything like that. I mean, in the sense that you need support and you need it. Not before you went on to Love Island, you needed it. Does that make sense? And I feel like there's so much potential and hope with you because you are such a, a good person. You've got such a good heart, but I feel like you just need people to believe in you. Do you find that like you've said to me before that no one's ever really believed in you before? Like what, where does that come from? I don't know. I, I think it's just from, like, growing up and never being, like, the best at anything. Like, I was never the best rugby player either. Mm. You know, my mates were getting signed, and I was like, why am I not getting signed? You mm. know, like, I'm getting mad of the match here. Like, I'm playing better than these, and they're getting signed, and I'm not. Is it, what is it? Because I'm, I've got, like, I've got... One thing what stood out when I was younger, my mum could never, like, fund anything. Mm. We, we struggled a lot. You know, uh, I used to go to dinner, school sometimes, and I wouldn't. You know, she'd give me my last, her last two pound, mate. Like, like we've always struggled, and so I was like sort of blaming on that because I knew I was a good player, mm. but I was like, maybe they're not signing because my mum can't take me training. Mm. But then in the end, you know, Castleford, who was mm. who I signed for at fifteen years old. Uh, actually took a gamble on me, you know, and bless my mum, mate, she drove three times a week uh, to take me training, like, that mm. was her priority, like, she had, she had not, she has nothing in her life except mm. me, and so, I'm sisters, you know, and so, for me to make it as a rugby player, that was all we wanted, like, as a family, that is all we wanted, that's all we, we, like, banked on, is me just being a pro rugby player, and that's it, that's all we had, because if I didn't have that, I'd, I don't know where I'd be right now, mm. rugby saved me, like, mm. massively, so obviously you've talked about your mum so much throughout this and you can tell how close you are. I've met your mum. She's been down to our office and your bond is just like no other. Where did that come from as well? Like what's it been like growing up with your mum? Uh, growing up, crazy. <laughs> Both crazy people. So no, uh, listen, with my mum, it's like, I don't know where I'd be without her. And it's, it's likewise, I don't, she don't know where she'd be without me, you know. We're both each other's rocks. And uh it's just like from a young age, mate. Like she's done. Like I'm gonna be honest, she's done amazing. Like to all the single parents out there, mm. well done. Mm. Because I know how hard it is to. I've seen it. Mm. No, I feel like my mum. She's just done such a good job. Like people might disagree, you know, and whatever. But like I couldn't have asked for like anything mm. better. You know, literally couldn't have asked for anything better. So like growing up. It's just me and her, you know, my sister. Uh, My sister was around. She ended up living in a hostel at 16 years old. You know, she moved out. uh, She's 
got ADHD too. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So she does things very impulsive. You know, they had an argument one day. She moves out to a hostel, yeah. lived there for ages, didn't want to come back home. So it, it ended up just me and my mum for a while. And all like, I wasn't a kid to like party. I wasn't, I wasn't a drink. I'm still not a big drinker now. And uh, I wasn't a kid to party. Like when it got to the time, like 15, 16, and my mates started going parties and interacting with girls. I wasn't like that. Like, my mum made sure I didn't do stuff like that. It was just literally, you go, you have to make it in rugby. You have to. If you don't, where are you going to be? Mm. It, you, you know, like, we literally banked on me making it. Because uh, you always say to me as well, like, you're, you're a council lad, you, yeah, you kind of come from nothing. We, like, what was what was that background like? Like, yeah, was it so difficult? Listen, if, if, if we go into it, uh, it's weird because I've never ever spoke about it before Love Island mm. or, but now I've started therapy it's it's easier to speak mm. so I was 18 month old it's weird if I say this but my name Jax it's, it has a meaning behind it mm. uh, we were moving to a foreign country uh, we were getting out of England you know um, my dad was still around at the time I was 18 month old and you know we were going, uh, my mum at the time was suffering with real bad depression. I'll say he was still around at this time and we were all ready to, to move abroad. You know, we were all ready to, to go elsewhere and get out of England. And uh, one day I just took off without us, you know. Uh, and for my mum, obviously suffering with three children at the time as well mm. was very hard for her, very hard for her. Mm. And uh, like I don't know how she's done it. So, honestly, when he just took off, uh, like never. Mum just tried to reach out, you know, needed help. Mum literally needed help. And uh, Jesus, my, my nan and granddad had to send food, you know, to to me and my mum because we literally had nothing and. Uh, They'd have to go shopping for us because, you know what I mean. We we had to move house. My I was moving house every year. I think when I was a child, you know, because we couldn't stay in the same house. We we had bailiffs at the door all the time, you know, and uh, so we're always floating about and everything. And so from the age of eighteen months, eighteen month old, you never saw your dad. You never seen no, him. Never, no. And I don't want anything to do with him, even though you know, never would. And what's that like, though, for a young guy growing up without a dad? Uh, okay, because I've got my mum. Mm. And no, that's why you're so close? Yeah. Because I've seen what she's been through as well. Like, with my sister's dad, uh, she went through hell. Like, absolute mm. hell. And uh, so it's like, for me to grow up, to know what my mum went through, I always had to be that person who couldn't show emotion in front of my mum because I was the one looking after her. And uh, as we got older, whatever, I went through what I did when I was young and we got to a point where I moved away at 16 years old, moved to Leeds by myself. Well, just Castleford, just outside of Leeds. Is this when you got signed to rugby? Yeah, there, so I got, got signed. So yeah. it was the best moment of my life, but the worst because mm. me and my mum were separating. But she did. She had no money to move house. Mm. We had nothing, so mm. we were. I was like, "Mum, don't worry. I'll go make it. I'll go make it for us, and then we'll be fine," you know. And uh, 
I went away, moved, and it was about eight months later. And mum rang me up one day and said, I need to, I need to see you. And uh, we went for a meal and everything, and she sat me down and she told me she's been diagnosed with an illness. Uh, and that just rocked me, you know, mm. just rocked me massively. My game went down. Uh, straight away, I was like, Mum, I don't want to play. I, I want to move back home. I just want to be your carer. I just, I just want to be there for you every day. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, so, like, it, it was coming up to contract time as well, and I wasn't playing good. And I thought, <laughs> where's my life going to go here? You know, mm. and uh, my mum said to me, she went, Jack, we're gonna get, we're gonna get a house. Like it, it was the roughest part of Castleford going, you know. Mm. So, sixteen, seventeen, I would have been. My mum ended up moving over for me, because uh, I was ready to pack in. I just wanted to be there. And she went, no, 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 you can't pack in. You can't pack in. You've got nothing else. You've got absolutely nothing. You were kicked out of school. You've what's your backup? Mm. Nothing, you know. So she moved over. And uh, I started playing well again. I started playing well. Uh, ended up signing a two-year deal, you know, on, not on good money because I wasn't consistent enough. And I was always one of them kids who was like, the coach was always like having to nudge to like not be better because I was like, the thing is with me, I'm not the most skillful, not the most talented, but I've got the raw, like, I just want to be better than everyone. If you're on the side of me, I'm beating you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that. And that's what the coach had loved about me, you know? And that's why they took a real liking to me because my attitude to win, my attitude to, like, be better was always there. Mm. Uh, so what would you say rugby gives you? Because from what I gather, you're someone who needs routine, you need structure. Because you're kind of all over the place quite a lot of the time, do you feel like rugby gives you that structure and that routine that you need? And yeah. also being around the lads, that give you that kind of male sort of... I don't know, like so almost like father figures that you probably always needed. Yeah, yeah. So when I, mate, when I went in as a sixteen-year-old kid, I went like I was the first ever to do it. Sixteen-year-old, I was training against thirty-year-old men, and I've just left. Like, well, when I was kicked out of school, I went to a garage. I worked in a garage for a bit. That didn't last long. Didn't like it. So uh, <laughs> after that, I ended up having to because I wasn't at school. I had to do something. So the head of youth at the time, Pete Ryden, he said to me, what about working in schools at 16? And I was like, yeah, 100%. Like, coaching rugby, like, to kids. Like, and we were going into schools, what reminded to me of my school, no one had anything, mm. you know? And there was people turning up, the, the parents turning up with, with drinks and around at three o'clock after school wow. and that, you know what I mean? And I loved it there. I was going in the community, coaching kids and... Uh, and I'd, I I got a real liking for that, mm. like the coaching side and the just like having a laugh with like young lads like myself, you mm. know what I mean, who were struggling and whatever. So I did that. But the rugby, for me, like it gives me a routine. Mm. Without routine, I'm a bit like messed. I'm a bit messed up without a routine. I'm like, what am I I've doing? I've noticed like, that. Yeah. I've noticed that through working yeah. with you over the last month. Like, <laughs> yeah. You need structure, you need routine. But then one thing that does shine through as well is that you do genuinely love kids. Like anytime mm. I've seen you around kids, whether it be at a rugby game or when the young fans come up to you, like you genuinely get a buzz out of that. And is that something that started when you started working with kids in the yeah, community? Yeah, 100%. I, I was like 100%, mate. Yeah, like even at the gym, the gym I'm going to now, uh, 
a kid come up to me the other day. No kids go to that gym, but the one, his mum goes, so he come. And he come up to me and went, like, I want to be like you. And I was like, <laughs> what? Like, mm. to hear someone, like, to hear people say that is like, I'm still getting used to it. Mm. It's still so overwhelming. I'm like, mm. I really need to, I really need to, like, fix myself up and, and just be better for everyone who who wants to be like me then mm. you know and uh, and i want to start giving back i want to that's what i want to do i want to work in the ADHD route, adhd route we already know that you know and, and we're working on that behind the scenes aren't we you mm. know and uh just stuff like that mate Even, like people who are struggling i want to help mm. i think like, this is the first time in your life jacks where you felt valued i feel like no one's ever really believed in you before and you've been on this show and you did something that was really courageous by removing yourself from it and, and prioritizing your own mental health and everything else. And I think whenever we talk about mental health, I've seen it myself, like when you show that vulnerable side to you, people sort of get inspired by it because you are helping so many young guys and kids at home who are probably struggling and thinking, I can't share that, I yeah. can't show that side it, to it's me. It's crazy how many people have messaged me, mm. thousands, yeah. and saying you helped me so much. But the annoying thing was when I got out the villa, I wasn't allowed to open my mouth because I had to sit at home and still be upset. Mm. Like people thought if I laughed, oh, it's fine now. Mm. You don't see me at night mm. until 5 a.m. in the morning, like not being able to sleep, do you? Like, and that's what really started getting to me. And like last week, I rang you up. Mm. You were in, you were in uh, America. Mm. I said, man, I can't do this. I, I, I hate, I hate my life. Like what? Like this is awful. Mm. Like I can't laugh without people going. He shouldn't be laughing. Mm. He's got mental health. Like why is he laughing? And it's like why is he mocking other people? I wasn't mocking other people at all. Mm. You know. And we'll get on to the Tasha and Remy thing. Mm. And that's fine because you know, if I offended everyone, like whoever I offended with that, like I am really sorry. Mm. And even to Remy and Tasha, like I respect them as people. Mm. You know what I mean? Like why wouldn't I? I've got nothing bad to say about either of them. Mm. You know, me and Remy clashed in there. Mm. Uh, completely different personalities mm. but I've got nothing bad to say about the kid yeah. you know what I mean and, uh, so let's talk about that then so there, there was obviously this live that you did after yeah. you left the villa um, and then there was that moment with Tasha like and I'm not condoning this in any way but do you feel like obviously you come from that rugby that rugby culture and for me rugby culture is I think you, it's just sport culture in, in a whole yeah, sports like, culture you, know, you show affection through ribbing each other mm, and bantering and everything yeah. else and I know you, Jax. I know you've not got a bad bone in your body. But do you feel like that rugby kind of, that sportsman sort of banter can be misconstrued? Yeah, well, obviously it was. Mm. Obviously it was, you know. Listen, if I don't like you, I don't speak to you. Mm. Like, the fingers with me, I'm very, like, set in my ways. Like, if I don't get on with you, don't speak to me. I don't want, I don't mm. want to know who you are, to be honest. Mm. I don't want you to ever speak to me. I just feel like there's been moments where you've kind of said things and done things that probably weren't the smartest things to say or anything like that. No. But at the same time, it's yeah. not come from a bad a bad place. And I know, for example, when all the bad press was coming out around you, like there was a moment where, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but your housemate was actually ringing <laughs> us up as management, saying that Jax has just come into the room, crying his eyes out and saying he don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. And I think I really want to raise awareness around this because I think sometimes someone can be made... I don't know, not, not the scapegoat, but made the bad, mad, bad guy without really understanding what they're going through themselves. And I think this is the whole point of the podcast. Like, you have said some things that have probably been a little bit silly. Nothing really that harmful. But at the same time, it's, it's not come from a bad place. But that massively affected you. And 
What was it like when all the bad press was coming out? How did you feel? <sighs> like you said, my housemate rang me. Mm. And for my housemate to ring you, the thing is with Oggy, he don't care, mate. He mm. didn't tell me he did that. Mm. He don't show anything. Like with rugby boys, even with spot boys, we don't put an, put an arm around each other until it's like, oh, he needs it, mm. you know? Even a training, we'll, we won't look after each other until it's like, Okay, right, and he's looking after all the boys will get around you then. Mm. And I walked in his room that night, it must have been about three in the morning, and I couldn't sleep. I mm. was in I was just sobbing my eyes out all night, you know. Mm. People going, Oh, he's doing this, he's doing that now, he's so happy in life, he, he, you know. I'm thinking So you think people were resenting you for actually smiling and just be happy? Hundred percent. And yeah. I was going out and I was thinking, listen, I can't even go out in Manchester right now because if I'm seen to have a good time, I'm not allowed. So you already felt the pressure of trying to have to live up to a certain expectation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens with, with a show like Love Island. You go on there and you are sort of thrust into the limelight and then there's a lot of pressure on you to be a certain way. And I think for someone like yourself, who clearly has a lot of work to be done, like I've, I've met you at the start, well, the start of your sort of, I don't know, celebrity life and I was concerned. I'm still concerned about you now yeah, because the, I feel like... So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something about you here. Yeah. So when I come out, I had messages of everyone. Yeah. Everyone, all the management, whatever, whatever. And the one thing what stuck out to you, Nicola, and all the team is you wanted to know if I was okay. Mm. Right, so I'm just going to put this out there. I wasn't... I was going back to rugby for me. Mm. You know, I was just thinking, okay, I'm going to delete social media. I'll go back to rugby, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I really couldn't care now. I just, I don't want this life. Mm. And then I realised how many people wanted my help as well, ADHD, you know, the mental health. And I was like, okay, you know what? I, I, I'm here to stand up then as well. So we had a few phone calls, didn't we? And I was expecting you. I know you had your own management. I was expecting you to speak about management. And when you started ringing me, and you were going, Jax, are you okay? Like, if you need a coffee, I was thinking, yeah, he only wants to, you know what I mean? He only wants to sign me, whatever. Mm. I was taking him a pinch of salt. And then we started speaking more and more, and you didn't mention your management once. Mm. And I was like, right, okay. He actually cares. Because, mm. you know, I did a bit of research on you. I, I've, I'm not a big person who watched Love Island. Mm. So I did my research on you, and I was like, okay, he's been through mm. a lot. So I was like, maybe he's got my back. You know, and I was speaking to other managements. I'm not going to name names or anything. I was speaking to other managements and they were putting celebs called dating on me for 60 grand and all this. And I was thinking, <laughs> I've just come off a dating show. Mm. What I ended up hating. Like, you think I'm going to go on another fake date, like dating show? Mm. But you, you know what I mean? Like for, for 60 grand, mate, I'd rather be happy. And I, I need to get back to my usual self first before I even think about a TV show. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do stuff like that. And, uh, Literally, when I spoke to them, they were just speaking money, money, money. And I stopped one of them. I said, listen, I need to get my head straight. And I ended up ending the call. And I was like, these people are for me. These people are not for me at all. And the more I spoke to you, we come, we come here, didn't we? We come here mm -hmm. and we sat down and, and uh, I spoke to you and the team. And I told you a little bit about myself and I think you were quite surprised. Yeah, we you were, know, like, to be honest with that, when I, when I rang you, Jax, my first priority was to make sure you were okay. Yeah. I could clearly see that you were struggling and I think I've met so many people over the years who've left Love Island and I always want to be that point of call, that first person that they speak to because I've been through the process. Yeah. 
I have got my management, yes, but at the same time, it's just not about that. Like first and foremost for me, it's making sure you know you've got a safe place to go to and, and someone to talk to who's been through that experience. And I rang you up to make sure you were okay and everything else. And I said, listen, we can have a meeting because you, you mentioned about management. Yeah, because I said to you, I said, why are you not speaking about management to me then? Yeah. That, that and you were like, well, if you want to, we can. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> you I, know. I definitely wanted to leave that open, but at the same time as it wasn't about that. So I said, let's get together for a coffee. And if I'm honest, we don't usually sign anyone to like the final or anything like that because we, we want to make sure it's the right decision. Yeah, yeah. But you came in and we had about a half an hour meeting. And within that half an hour, I knew straight away, first of all, that you were a good lad, like you had a good heart and you were very misunderstood. I also knew that you needed a lot of support and I felt like we had, we had to do the right thing, if I'm honest. Um, and we also saw massive potential in you as well. And yeah. I think that that's something that not everyone ever sees in you. And I, f I see massive potential in you. I think you've been an incredible sportsman. You've got a massive heart. You love kids. You want to help people. You genuinely want to help people. It's not some kind of PR stunt. Like, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I see this the is way what's annoying me at the minute as well. People thinking, like, even when I put that apology out, it was like, oh, like, he's PR management. I was thinking, I've just, this I've is, just, this is what's I've just private message Tasha and Remy. Yeah. And now I'm apologising to everyone else. Like, people are going, oh, you need to apologise to the main people. I'm thinking... I've already done that. You don't yeah. know that because that's that's private business. But again, it, this it like, comes down to the, to, to the theme of this podcast is judgment. And mm. I feel like even I judged you a little bit before I met you. I thought it's just going to be a bit of a daft young lad who's coming in here and everything else. But when I met you, I went, you know what? There's so many layers to you and people need to understand you and put all business and everything to one side. From a mental health point of view, I wanted to make sure because I'm going through this process. I've had a therapist now for yeah. seven, eight years and I'm still working on it now. But to see you coming here with no therapy, no one who's ever really given you that chance, for me, it's like that had to be the main priority first. Mm -hmm. And if I'm honest, if this from a business sense doesn't work out or whatever else, like that doesn't matter for me. Yeah. It's about making sure that you get into a really strong place. Mm -hmm. And already I've seen so much progression in terms of, I just asked you to listen to me. And that's all I said is listen to me, Jax, and we'll be okay. And the first thing was like, get your routine back, right? Get in the gym and you probably... A lot of your followers have probably seen that. You've been in the gym every day. You're working mm. really hard twice a day. Get on top of your food, your nutrition. Get your therapy sessions, which I know have been so difficult for you, but you've been doing it. At the heart of everything has to be your sort of mental health yeah. now and making sure that gets to a good place. And I feel like obviously this podcast has been like pretty deep, if I'm honest, and it's shown a side to you that I don't see all the time. Yeah, I didn't want it to be this deep. No, either, but, but at the same time, is I don't <laughs> yeah. want everyone, like for me, I'm very conscious that I don't want people to think, it's all doom and gloom with you, Jax, because it's not. Like, you've got so much to give and you've got this great energy and and you just you just want the best for yourself. Yeah. And I think, very much like myself, through working on yourself, I feel like you're going to help inspire a lot of people. So what would you say now is the vision for you now coming out of Love Island, coming out of this whole experience? What is the big vision? My first vision, mate, like, I just want to be, like, a, a well-rounded person. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm thinking about myself right now. So for myself, I just want to be a good person and, and work on myself, you know, my training mentally. I want to be in a good place. I want to be good for my mom and, and people around me. And even, even like, I'm going to say fans, mm -hmm. you know, because people mm -hmm. are telling me I've got fans and I'm starting to believe that. I want to be good for them as well. Mm -hmm. But like, 
I want to go into, you know, the ADHD work with kids, with disabled kids, you know, stuff like that. And then, mate, I'm massive into sport. Mm. It's, you know what I mean? I've been a professional athlete myself, so it's like I want to go down that sport route. Mm. I want to work in sport. I, you know, I want to do stuff like that. And listen, like, just just go down that route, yeah. Like, mm. everything's still up in the air for me yeah. right now. So it's like I'm not going to tell you the next five years because I take day by day anyway. Mm. Like, I have my goals set mm. on a whiteboard at home. Right, okay. Uh, but no one knows them except right. me. So it's like... <laughs> I like that. I yeah. like that. But I think for me right now everything you're doing is bang on in terms of just taking some time for you taking some time to really focus on getting yourself in, in the strongest position possible you come out of the show there's been a couple of like rash decisions but you quickly learn and, and you really focus now on just becoming the best version of you and i feel like that's all you can do and everything else will sort of flow from that mm -hmm. you've really shown me and i hope hopefully a lot of other people that there is so many more layers to you than people actually know. And I feel like we shouldn't just judge people by a cover. Yep. We should really try and understand their story. You've not had it easy. You have come from nothing. You've, you've had a, diff a difficult upbringing. You've got a condition that, that needs work on. I'm not saying that excuses no, like all your behavior. Yeah. And I think you'll, you'll be honest about yeah, that. 100%. But at the same time is you're here to put the work in, you're holding your hands up. And I think there's a lot of sort of goodness in that so i just want to say a massive thank you oh, thank you for having me yeah wow i didn't expect that what a first episode of series two of learning as i go it felt like a therapy session but i'm kind of glad it felt like that because i feel like jack's needed it and i feel like we all needed it as well because we are so quick sometimes in today's society to judge people of face value of one moment in time something that we read in the press and clearly from that episode you see there are so many different layers to jack's He's not had it easy, and I'm not excusing his behavior all the time, but there's definitely an explanation behind a lot of the things that he does. So I hope that's been a big life lesson for us all today on judgment. And Jax, if you are listening to this, I just want you to know that I believe in you because I feel like you need to hear that. So thank you for listening, and please tune in next week to Learn As I Go when I'm going to be welcoming a mega guest in the name of Vicky Patterson, who's going to be joining us with a live audience. So please keep rating, keep reviewing and keep following wherever you listen to your podcasts and I will see you next week for another episode of Learning As I Go.